Welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR show, where we save you time by providing you the too long didn't read summary of cybersecurity topics and news. You can find us on YouTube with video and all the popular podcasting platforms for audio on the go. Now let's get over to your host, John Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR show. I'm your host, John Good. And on this week's weekly recap, we're going to be covering April 10th to April 16th of 2022. Just as a reminder, after this show, I will be doing another live stream on my other channel on John Good Cyber. So if you want to join me for the after show, head on over there after this live stream. And if you're listening on the replay or the podcast, then why not join us on YouTube for the live stream? Typically, I do these shows live stream so you can interact with me, but also joining the after show so you can interact with people around the community and other professionals out there. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. So the very first headline for the top headlines, hackers use Conti's leaked ransomware to attack Russian companies. So there's a hacker group called NB65. And they took Conti's leaked ransomware source code to create their own and use it in cyber attacks against Russian organizations. So if you're not familiar with the Conti uh, ransomware leak, basically this is kind of tied to the Russian-Ukraine conflict and invasion. And the um, basically somebody decided that, uh, that they were going to go ahead and leak the ransomware because the group that you know, produce the ransomware, supports the uh, the Russian Federation. And so they leaked the source code. And with this specifically, uh, the group warns Russia that the attacks are due to the invasion into Ukraine. So like I said, and usually we hear um, about ransomware attacks coming from Russia. So it's a little bit interesting that uh, they are actually being attacked instead of coming out of Russia. And uh, if you want to learn more about uh, Conti and the leak and everything, go back a few weeks, a few episodes uh, for the Cybersecurity TLDR show. And I actually talk about it when that originally happened. Uh, next top headline, denial of service disrupts Finnish government sites during Zelensky's speech. So the websites for Finland's defense and foreign ministries were taken down as Ukrainian President Zelensky was speaking to the Finnish parliament on April 8th. And then a Twitter account for the government of Finland said that the attack was limited uh, limited due to website protections. So, you know, with this, it's pretty, pretty standard as far as protections. But, you know, one thing obviously is different if you're going against nation states who have a lot of funding, a lot of money, a lot of resources to really come at you. And especially a company like Finland, you know, which is not like a United States where there's just billions and billions of dollars into these kind of defenses. But... You know, basic cyber hygiene is a good start and then kind of evolving things from there. Now, Microsoft seizes internet domains linked to GRU cyber attacks against Ukraine. So seven domains were seized that were linked to the GRU military intelligence agency. And Microsoft received a court order on April 6th to seize the domains. But they uh, they actually have done this before to stop Russian-linked hacking and hacking this link to North Korea and China as well. And, um, you know, this is really an interesting kind of thing with companies in general that are providing a service or product and stepping in to, you know, to do their part 
um, as far as stopping some of these malicious things that are going on. And again, you know, the, the web is still the wild west. There's still a lot of things that are going on where people, you know, can feel like they can do whatever they want, even though that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, a lot of it comes up to these, uh, down in these companies to being able to take action quickly when they're, they need to. Uh, also along those lines, uh, Microsoft disrupts Zloader malware and global operation. So Microsoft's Digital Crimes Unit, DCU, took down dozens of domains using command and control servers by the Zloader botnet. 65 hard-coded domains and 319 domains that were used as fallback and backup communication channels. So again, just being able to quickly act, and that's not necessarily just with domain names, it's really with any service that you provide as a company. You know, in this cyber world, how can you quickly take steps to minimize anybody using your services or products for malicious reasons? You know, and that, that really comes down to having a real understanding of the products and services that you offer, being able to identify malicious behavior or activity because, you know, at the end of the day, especially with web services, attackers are very likely to try to use your services and products in malicious ways. So, very interesting. Lawmakers want to improve cybersecurity information sharing between DHS and Congress. So, the Intergovernmental Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act was introduced by four senators because cybersecurity staffs are facing lengthy delays in getting information from the government's executive branch. So, you know, a lesson here in cybersecurity, timeliness matters for information. The faster that we have information, the faster that we can act, the faster that we can deploy defenses, that we can modify firewall rules or whatever the case is, right? And... You know, typically in the government, they're slow in general to react. So it's always interesting when they, you know, enact some kind of uh, operation, act, initiative, whatever the case is, but to increase that speed. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of red tape that comes along with that, that industry, with that, um, that area. And with cybersecurity in there, it's no different. So... Uh, another huge headline, Raid Forms Hacker Marketplace Shutdown in Cross-Border Law Enforcement Operations. So this was actually a pretty big deal. Uh, so Raid Forms, which is one of the most notorious hacking marketplaces, was shut down in a major cross-border uh, law enforcement operation. The operation was called Operation Tourniquet, and it was coordinated with Europool, uh, Europool with support from the U.S., the UK, Sweden, Portugal, and Romania. And this investigation was planned for over a year. But, you know, th this is a big deal. Um, anytime these major dark market, uh, dark net marketplaces get taken down, you know, that's a big deal because on the dark net, the whole idea is that you're supposed to be anonymous and you're supposed to be hidden from all this stuff. So attackers go on there and they do, you know, all this malicious stuff they sell credit card information, they sell uh, personal information, they sell customer data, they sell, you know, whatever, drugs. And the idea is that they're thinking that they're going to be anonymous. 
And we can, uh, we can see, you know, over time, that is not correct. And um, this is not the first case of, you know, people being charged with this kind of activity. And you think, you would think that people would see this and, you know, realize that they're not going to be able to get away with some of this stuff. And yet it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, um, with people that graduate school where, you know, this crop of people comes out, they go learn these lessons, they get jobs and, you know, go through all this stuff. And then a couple years later, well, every year, but you know, all the time there's new people relearning these same lessons. It's the same idea because there's people that get caught and then all of a sudden there's a new crop of people that think they can do it better, that think they, they know more and they do it again and then they get caught and it's just this you know cycle of constantly getting caught because they just want to do all this malicious stuff so you know kudos on europol and all the the law enforcement that were able to track this down because you know like i said with darknet and things like that technically people think they're supposed to be anonymous so uh, sandworm hackers failed to take down ukrainian energy providers so russian state-sponsored hacking group called Sandworm tried to take down a large Ukrainian energy provider with a new variant of the uh, industry and destroyer malware and caddy wiper data destruction malware. So basically there was an attempt to disconnect the energy providers, electrical substations. And, you know, with any kind of utility, any kind of critical infrastructure, everything like that, you know, there's a lot of protections that are in place that uh, should be in place, right? Because, if your energy energy grid or power grid goes down, for example, that's a huge deal. You know, that's going to disrupt your entire company or uh, country and a lot of different companies that are using your power grid. So, um, you know, the, the ability to um, prevent this is, is pretty, pretty outstanding. Good job for them. T-Mobile secretly uh, bought its customers' data from hackers to stop it, stop the leak, and it failed. So what happened was T-Mobile was hacked last year in 2021, and the hackers were charging six bitcoins, so basically the equivalent of $270,000, for the data of 30 million of their customers. Uh, T-Mobile hired a company, a third-party company called Motherboard, to try to pay the hackers for exclusive data to that uh, access to that data. The third party then paid $200,000, but the attackers kept selling the data. So this is a really good lesson for companies that are going to get ransomware, that are going to you know, be a victim of this. You know, Just because you pay doesn't mean the attackers are going to act you know, with that, that common courtesy, right? These are... Um, these are people doing malicious things. It's just like anybody that's breaking the law. You know, they're they're already um, they're already kind of compromising their moral stance by you know whatever they're doing. And do you really expect them to operate in the way that they even say they're going to? Um, you know, for a company like T-Mobile, two hundred thousand dollars is probably not a massive hit necessarily, but you know, you you can't just expect the attackers to, you know, to, to behave. 
Um, it is kind of interesting. They hired a third party kind of an intermediary to do this because, you know, I'm sure they didn't want it to seem like, oh, well, T-Mobile is paying these people off. So, but uh, yeah, so that hack failed. That that attempt failed. Uh, this is another really interesting article. So U.S. cryptocurrency expert jailed for helping North Korea evade sanctions. So former U.S. researcher at a cryptocurrency group has been sentenced to more than five years in prison for conspiring to help North Korea evade U.S. sanctions using cryptocurrency. He was also fined $100,000. The researcher Virgil Griffith has pled guilty earlier, uh, had pled guilty earlier and worked for the Ethereum Foundation. Griffith had a do- uh, has a doctorate from the California Institute of Technology and traveled to North Korea via China in April 2019 to speak at a cryptocurrency conference despite being denied permission by the U.S. Department of State to go. I mean, if you're going to go to North Korea, uh, especially from a country like the U.S. or, you know, any of our allies, it's going to be suspicious regardless of what you're going to do. And, you know, um, I, I don't know really how else to say that. Um, <laughs> why? You know, uh, it's definitely an interesting article to look a little bit more at. But, you know, again, this is just a case of people doing things that it's just, you know, it's going to bring eyes on to you. So even if you were going to do this and you weren't, you know, doing something uh, potentially illegal or, you know, against uh, our laws or another country's laws, you know, why would you do things that are going to bring so much, um, so much attention to you, right? And then when you are going to do something that's like that, and you, you do it anyways, and you bring more attention to yourself, and then you do something illegal or, you know, against laws, against sanctions and things like that. Um, again, cryptocurrency is one of those realms where it's going to be interesting to see how things play out because, you know, the whole idea is it's decentralized, so there's not a lot of regulation that can take place in it. It's um, a lot of the, the ledgers and the, the transactions are public, so you can see, you know, what, what has happened with a specific wallet or, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting how it gets enforced um, and how regulation kind of evolves. But, you know, again, stuff like this, I mean, you got caught, right? Like, stop. You're not, you're not smarter than you think you are. Like, my goodness. All right. So DHS investigators say they foiled a cyber attack on undersea internet cable in Hawaii. So federal agents in Honolulu disrupted an apparent cyber attack on an unnamed telecommunications company's server uh, servers associated with an underwater cable responsible for internet cable service and cell connections in Hawaii and the region. So this is an interesting stat. It said as much as 95% of intercontinental internet data flows via hundreds of submarine internet cables. That's crazy. That is amazing, right? Um, now, something with these cables is that, um, you know, one thing with some of the types of cabling, right, in just kind of in general is that if you you know slice through um, slice through a regular like Ethernet cable, right? Uh, could you tap into that that data or that that 
um, that network channel, right? Um, which is a uh, big reason to go into something like fiber, right? Because it, you can't just like slice the cable and tap into it. But um, I, I don't remember or recall ever hearing about somebody trying to disrupt those cables. But, you know, this is an interesting topic because think about that, right? So if that much data, 95% of the this intercontinental uh, internet data flows through these underwater cables, that much data goes through there. So what happens if, let's just say you slice that cable, right? Like as an example, you just cut it off. You know, that, that country is going to be hurting some because we rely so much on the internet and so much on that data for things like business, for podcasts, for videos, for YouTube, for all this stuff that we, you know, probably take for granted in a lot of cases. And you just cut that off, right? I'm imagining that, you know, cables like this are probably uh, hopefully a little bit stronger than a standard cable, right? Because they're underwater, under the ocean, but uh, or in the ocean. But, you know, how long does it take to replace that cable if that cable snaps, right? That, that's kind of an interesting, interesting thought because let's say, I mean, you know, I, I assume it probably doesn't take super long time, but I doubt that's as simple as just... Um, as just sailing a ship, you know, from one one section of like the U.S. to Hawaii, and just dropping a cable in the water, right? Like it's probably not that simple, but um, you know, hopefully, as we start to evolve some of these satellite technologies for the internet and broadband and things like that, you know, hopefully that continues to increase the speeds, increase the availability, and you know, maybe a little bit less reliance on some of these underwater cables or other, you know, other options that could be disrupted a little bit easier. So we'll find out though. Uh, so on to vulnerability topics, new Android banking malware remotely takes control of your device. So there's new Android banking malware named Octo that's been found, uh, features uh, remote access capabilities that allow on-device fraud activities. So this is you know, creative, right? Uh, basically, this malware turns down the screen brightness and it makes it uh, makes it look like it's off so that attacker can then do all its actions and the user thinks their phone is off. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that it's pretty hard once that screen brightness is down to kind of, you know, manipulate or try to figure out where the menus and stuff are. And, you know, by that time, they're already going to be doing their actions. But... You know, that's pretty creative. Uh, instead of doing the actions while the phone is, you know, the screen's on uh, or visible to the user, it just looks like it's off and they can do other stuff and the user is, uh, you know, doesn't, you know, is none the wiser. Uh, Android banking malware intercepts calls to, uh, to customer support. So a malware called fake calls, so another one, uh, has a feature to take over calls to a bank's customer support number and connect the victim directly with the cyber criminals operating the malware. Now that's that's another level, right? Because you call, you know, the regular support number and then they just direct you to somebody else, right? It's kind of like a um, if you had like a DNS uh, redirect or you know something like that. 
it's kind of the same idea, but uh, you know that that's definitely definitely taking it to another level. And then of course, as an attacker, you've actually got to attack. Uh, t- uh, you actually have to talk to the people. So that's you know that that takes a certain kind of criminal or a hacker because typically they don't want to actually talk to you, right? The app is disguised and includes the official logo and customer support number for the entity that it impersonates. So again, just making it very, uh, very legitimate, right? Uh, critical bug allows attacker to remotely control medical robot. And so this really brings up a question, you know, because in this age where we're trying to get a lot of robots and trying to do all these kind of things, where is the line, right? Like, where are we going to say, this is the line, you can't use robots past this, and you have to have a human to do this. And I think that balance is always, you know, up for discussion. It's always tested because in a world where we're trying to automate so many things, you know, that that is a question. And then what about as far as, you know, security of that, right? If this robot is doing open heart surgery, as an example, I mean, I, I don't think that we're probably going to get to that point because that's such a critical kind of surgery. But as an example, you know, what if that, that robot has a vulnerability, right? And it's doing a surgery like that, you know, that, that could be catastrophic. So definitely with the healthcare stuff, it's, it's really sensitive. It's really interesting. Uh, Microsoft's April, 2022 patch Tuesday tackles two zero day vulnerabilities. So CVE 2022, uh, 26904 for the windows user profile service and CVE 2022-24521 for the windows common log file system driver. Uh, in other news, federal prosecutors going after alleged Russian hacker, uh, mistakenly turn over unrelated case documents. So, you know, th- this definitely applies to security because things like this can happen, right? Like what data are you making accessible to other people? What kind of controls do you have in place to make sure that the access is limited and that only authorized people have access to that data? You know, that I'm not sure what specifically, you know, if it was like super sensitive information, but it definitely makes them add another layer of scrutiny that they didn't have before. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, So why hackers are increasingly targeting small businesses and what they can do. So uh, it's not, you know, a new thing to attack uh, small businesses or target them. Because typically, you know, in small businesses, and this is if you're you're going to work at one or you maybe you do work at one, but typically these small businesses have limited funds, so they are easier targets, you know, for or uh, for hackers, and you know some of it comes down to basic hygiene, right? Like you just you have to do basic hygiene if you're assistant administrator or you know you're the the sole person. So, you know, things like software inventories, keeping patches up to date, you know, all this kind of basic stuff. And, um, you know, when you can use open source things, that's great. But, you know, it comes down to automation and, you know, how much can you handle versus how much do you need to uh, off outsource to other companies or, you know, third parties, man- managed security service providers, things like that. 
So, you know, small businesses struggle. It's it's a thing, right? Um, so Microsoft Windows Auto Patch steals the fun from Patch Tuesday. So if you haven't heard about this, Windows is uh, Microsoft is releasing this new feature. It's called Windows Auto Patch. It's going to be released in July 2022. And uh, basically, it's to keep systems more up to date. So it requires Windows 10 or Windows 11, Enterprise E3 or above license. And uh, this product, basically, it breaks down your devices into rings so that you can progressively deploy patches. So one of the things and issues with patching is that you have to, um, you can't just roll out the patches to everybody, right? You have to deploy it in kind of phases because, you know, you want to deploy it on uh, less critical systems, make sure that, you know, there's no issues and you kind of just progressively hit all your systems because, you know, your critical servers and things like that, you want to really make sure that it's not going to affect things. So you'll, you know, maybe you do one server, you test it, you do it in a sandbox first and, you know, you have to take all these steps, but um, this, this kind of starts automating that process and it's really to keep systems up to date you know, and it really comes down to a lot of systems aren't patched or, you know, it takes a while to get patches rolled out. And um, this, I believe this will help because, you know, anything like this where it can, you know, help you automate the process or simplify the process, the easier your life will be and the more efficient you'll be. So uh, another one, uh, bank had no firewall license, intrusion, or phishing protection. Guess the rest. So an Indian bank didn't have a valid firewall license, no phishing protection, no IDS or IPS. Shocker that they got compromised. Shocker, right? This is one India's smaller banks. They had 45 branches, but very little security. So I don't understand how you can have 45 branches in a business or a bank specifically and have so little security. In the United States, banks and the financial industry are extremely regulated, right? So there are so many regulations and requirements for security and things like that that you have to have. And if you don't, you know, like in this circumstance, you're probably just going to get shut down, right? You're not going to be able to do business. So, you know, I, I feel bad for this bank's customers because this is just ridiculous. Like, come on. Let's see here. So, and just as a reminder, I'll put all these article links in the description of the video on YouTube. They'll also be in the description on the podcast, so you can check them out. But this is actually kind of a funny article. Uh, an autonomous cruise vehicle left police confused when they tried to pull it over. So this self-driving uh, tax, uh, taxi was confused or confused police when they tried to pull it over. And there's a video in this article too, which you know, makes it really hilarious. <laughs> but, but so these vehicles, they're programmed to yield to police. And so this vehicle is like parked kind of on the side of the road, like you would pull off on the side of the road almost for, you know, police to pass by. And this... This police car stopped behind them and they're like confused. And then they walk up to it and realize that nobody's in the car. And, you know, 
not necessarily a uh, security article per se, but, um, you know, obviously autonomous cars and things like that, you know, they have to be protected and they're programmed to do certain things. So, you know, especially if you're starting to program them to yield to police, that's you know, definitely going to make uh, safety and, you know, yielding to police and just allowing them to do their job uh, much better. So uh, let's see here. So uh, data breach disclosure surged 14% in Q1 2022. So this is the third year, uh, successive year that it has uh, exceeded those recorded 12 months previously. 92% were traced to cyber attacks with phishing and ransomware, the top two causes overall. 40% of the reported 154 data breach notices did not include the root cause. So unknown was the largest attack vector in Q1 of 2022. Now this comes down to knowing about cybersecurity and knowing more, right? You have to have people that are trained. You have to have people that can attribute these kind of attacks. Uh, let's see here. And then Windows 11 tool to add Google Play, uh, secretly install malware. So with Windows 11, you can use Android. But this actually led to uh, a tool because you can't do Google Play in there. But this led to a GitHub tool being released called Windows Toolbox do things like deblit Windows 11, activate Microsoft Office and Windows, and install Google Play Store for the Android subsystem on Windows 11. Uh, the Windows Toolbox was actually a Trojan that installed the Trojan Clicker and potentially other malware. You know, this comes down to education. Uh, obviously, with something like GitHub, you know, you're probably going to have a certain level of technical ability in these user or technical knowledge, but you know, you can't just go installing uh, workaround kind of things like this that are on GitHub and that are not like vetted. You know, there's a reason why you can't access Google Play and you have to be careful on installing other stuff. And then Microsoft details how China linked cruise malware hides uh, scheduled Windows tasks. So this uh, cyber group from China, uh, half Nium is using malware to create hidden tasks and maintain backdoor access even after reboots. So, you know, schedule tasks and things like that, they're, they're not new. Um, basically, within Windows, uh, you know, and even Linux, there's cron jobs. But on Windows, there are these auto-run locations and schedule tasks. Those are easy ways to automate things, good or bad. And, you know, that, that's been a tactic for a while. Uh, that you cannot overlook. You have to look at these things as a security professional, as an IT professional, to make sure that um, you know to make sure that you're not getting new tasks and things like that that are just running that you have no idea what they do. So uh, that is it for this week's news. You know, again, I will end up putting this podcast on the the podcast uh, platform so you can listen to it there if you want to. Of course, you can always listen to it and watch it on YouTube. We do everything live on YouTube typically. So it's a stream. You can come hang out with me. And um, other than that, we will be doing the after show on the John Good uh, Cyber channel for YouTube. So if you're watching this live, come hang out with us over there. And if, uh, if not, then I'll see you next week. 
All right. Thanks for stopping by.